the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is The Update on today's show. It's been a disappointing season so far for the professional San Jose Sharks, but when it comes to youth hockey in the South Bay, and particularly among girls, it has been another awesome campaign. Since the Junior Sharks launched their girls program 15 years ago, the organization's grown from two teams to 11, and they're currently seeing their under 13 participation grow 25% year over year. In other words, girls hockey is absolutely booming in the Bay Area and beyond. So let's dive into that growth with the San Francisco Chronicle's Susan Slusser. It's Wednesday, January 22nd. Well, Susan, I was totally blown away when I heard about the growth of girls hockey, not just in San Jose, but across the nation right now. So I'd love to know, how did you first hear about it and want to turn it into a story? Well, Scott Emmert from the Sharks PR office, who's wonderful. He's a wonderful resource for basically any hockey writer, not just in the Bay Area. He mentioned it to me at one point. He knows I love writing about hockey in the baseball offseason. When I can get a chance, I love to have a excuse to get down to San Jose and, mm-hmm. and see a little hockey. And he mentioned that they were having sort of a women's hockey night round table with Kim Davis from the NHL and a lot of other people. So I went and I, you know, some of the numbers that they threw out really were eye-opening about the numbers, you know, that the increase in participation is really just, it's phenomenal, first of all. But the outreach the Sharks make uh, and increasingly other teams are making is really, it's having an impact. Here with the San Jose Junior Sharks, we have 11 teams of all female hockey players, ranging from AU girls all the way up through high school age. In Northern California, the girls' game is really exploding, really growing a lot. Fresno, Oakland Bears are clubs that have recently started all girls' programs within their youth organizations. And in the state, there's over 3,000 female registered hockey players. So really, there really is an opportunity for young girls to play hockey and really make a name for themselves in the sport. Six clubs had youth girls, youth programs just a year ago, mm-hmm. and now it's 24. That's extraordinary to me, and wow. that's the way you grow the sport. That's incredible. So take us back, Susan. I-, I believe it was called Women in Teal. That was the name of the night down in San Jose. So so take us to that night. What was it all about? Yeah, it was really nice. Kim Davis is one of the NHL top execs, and she came from the business world, and she arrived at the NHL. There are a few other women working in the league office, but she didn't know that much about hockey. She'd grown up figure skating in Chicago, but she felt as if Hockey wasn't something as an African-American that really she could do being an African-American woman. It never even crossed her mind. No one was excluding me from anything, but no one was including me either. And I think that's the difference. I don't think there's any intentionality on anyone's part to be exclusionary. I just think it takes real intention to be inclusive. In her community, it wasn't something that was seen as an outlet. And she came to hockey to work at the NHL. And I think it opened her eyes a little bit. Like, you know what? The U.S. hockey team, women's hockey team, is obviously, along with Canada, the most successful in the world. Uh, The ratings are good during Olympic years. Mm -hmm. The numbers of youth participants are growing. Adult leagues are actually booming, too. 
And then Annie Pankowski from Team USA was also there. And, and this is a packed room, Kate. This is more than 200 people in like kind of a small room that sometimes they use for uh, postseason press conferences and thing like, things like that. Oh, wow. I, I think it was more packed for this event than I've seen it for postseason. And it was just, uh, you know, the passion in the room and the interest. And this wasn't, you know, it was sort of billed as a women of deal and for women to attend. But there were it was definitely men and women hockey fans who are interested in the state of the women's game. Mm. And uh, I think it was really encouraging. That said, there's a, a, a long way to go. Um, one of the things I mentioned in the story that I wrote is there is no one women's hockey, pro hockey league that is seen right now as viable, certainly by the top players. There mm-hmm. is a league that the NHL is helping to fund a little bit, but the top women's players are not participating in it because they feel like the salary is inadequate. You still have to work another job or two to be able to mm. play. There aren't adequate trainers, coaches, facilities, ice time. You know, if you want a pro league, you want it to be a real league where the players don't have to spend all day teaching or working in a shoe store and then get ice time at 10 p.m. and then get up the next day and do it again and make, you know, maybe 3000 bucks for the season. That's just, that's Oof. No, that's not. So let's continue on that thread, because the last I checked, the pro league that does exist, as you mentioned, is kind of on strike. So did you talk to anybody about that for the piece? How do you go about tying that into things? Yeah, I talked to both Annie Pankowski and I talked to Kendall Quinn Schofield, who uh, I think everyone remembers. She had a fantastic time in the um, NHL All-Star Skills Competition last year in San Jose. She wound up skating against the men in the fastest uh, skater contest, and she finished 7th out of 8th. She went first, and she kind of blew everyone away. So Kendall Coyne up first, an Illinois native out of Northeastern University. She scored two goals for the United States in Pyeongchang last February. Outstanding job by Kendall Coyne. Watch the feet move there. The angles are terrific. The edge work is outstanding. And the stride is just amazing. You can watch the miles per hour up top there at 22 miles. An hour was the peak. Some great stuff there and having some fun with the guys as well. What was the key to going around the corner so quickly, Kendall? Uh, Just keep my feet moving, cross over, not fall. So you're skating by all these players. You know what they were doing? Oh, my gosh, is she fast. Nobody wants to lose you. Way to go, Kendall. Thanks, Pierre. The guys were rooting for her, but also... Afterwards, they were all like, wow, I, I was kind of nervous she was going to win the whole thing and she did <laughs> beat one of the pros. So she was right in there. Kendall said, you know, they dream of kind of doing what the U.S. women's soccer team has done in terms of getting visibility and viability and sticking to their guns and wanting to have a livable weight and decent facilities. We as women's hockey players, we're not working every four years, we're working every day, but we're only relevant every four years, like you mentioned. And how do we change that narrative that we're not only relevant every four years, because we are working every single day, just like our male counterparts are in this sport. Um, And the answer to that is we need to build a, a platform that makes us relevant every day. And that would be through a true professional league, a professional league, that we've already, you know, that I already discussed. So what does it look like? A platform in which people know where we are, who we play for, who we're supported by, who we're marketed by, how we're treated, how we're able to 
build our craft every single day to put the best product on the ice. We're not working three jobs and practicing at 10 o'clock at night just to, you know, continue our playing career. But she said they're nowhere near that level right now. So I think everyone is very encouraged by the levels of participation. But she said the women's pro game, this is a direct quote, is in shambles right now. I would say the women's professional game is in shambles. I dream about the day that a young girl can grow up and say, I want to be a professional hockey player. And we're nowhere near that right now. Because what I re- what I consider professional is a livable wage, proper resources, proper treatment, proper health care, proper benefits. All of these things deem someone professional and we're nowhere near that and so until we see a league that offers those opportunities i don't think we have something that's truly professional so there's a long way to go really where did kendall's first hockey memories come from how did she get started in the sport i love talking about some of these some of these women's hockey stories are so great and kendall started because she was in a hockey family her brothers played and so she would tag along with her big brother when he went to play and she wanted to play. So I started playing because my older brother, Kevin, um, he, my, I was three years old. My parents put him in hockey because he was just an energetic uh, little boy and they signed him up for hockey and they brought me to the rink and I wanted to be like him and I wanted to play hockey. She'd show up with her hockey gear in uh, this, you know, league in near Chicago and the boys would tell her, like, you can't play, or they'd say, where's your brother? Over 25 years ago, uh, girls were not playing hockey, so they put me in figure skates, and I lasted a week in them, <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't like figure skating. It was more so I didn't want to wear a dress, and I wanted my skates to look exactly like my brother's. And she said, no, I'm the one that's here. I'm playing. <laughs> and she'd have to go change in the bathroom because there was no girls' locker room. So she stuck with it, and she said she finally went to a camp that was for women hockey players, and she went, oh, it's not just me. It wasn't until I met a role model in Cami Granado and saw her, and I went to her girls' hockey camp, and there were over 100 girls there playing. And I was like, they're so wrong. Girls do play hockey. And I was so energized and excited to, you know, come back to school and say, hey, girls do play hockey. You won't believe it. <laughs> and for somebody like that who has seen this increase in participation – I mean, I think that's just got to be the best feeling in the world. The reaction she gets every day from young girl players. And she's very, very visible out there and kind of leading the the forefront. She's got her own hockey camp now. Of course, she's doing Sharks broadcasts occasionally, helping Mm -hmm. out uh, on the broadcasts and doing a great job. So people like Kendall and Annie Pankowski and most of the rest of the women's national team are all trying to help further the game. But they just, you know, right now without a pro league, it's a it's a little tough. They've kind of got a little bit of a barnstorming league that they're doing. And a group of them beat a bunch of Sharks alumni. They uh, did. Yeah, Kendall was the star of that one, too. So women's hockey is no joke. It's a little different. You know, you're not hitting guys. So there's more finesse. You know, there are a lot of people that appreciate women's basketball because sometimes there's a little bit more finesse, a little more strategy yeah. involved. Women's hockey is sometimes along the same lines because you're just not going to see the big hits. But everything else is the same, including the speed of the game. I'm glad you brought up the basketball analogy, Susan, because it kind of reminds me of a couple years ago when Draymond Green talked about his love of the WNBA just because it's a pure game because they, for the most part, can't play above the rim. So it is 
making more pinpoint passes. It is playing defense the way it's supposed to be played, just because they may not have the same athleticism as the guys. And kind of continuing on that trend, the WNBA recently reached a landmark agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement that they're hoping will be seen as kind of a big step for women in all sports. So when it comes to a professional league for women, where does the NHL come in on that? Well, Kim Davis said she sees the NHL helping. It was hard to pin anybody at the NHL down on this because they are right now sort of helping fund the one sort of women's league that the top players have decided is not adequate. I don't think Kim was talking about that. I think she and other people at the NHL and a lot of other people in hockey would like to see a real sort of WNHL that gets maybe some help from the league but is playing in real elite arenas, much like the WNBA. Um, Mm -hmm. I think everybody would like to see that. Hopefully that can happen eventually. You know, look at the Sharks. First of all, they say more than 40% of their fans are women. I think people think of hockey as being this sort of like macho Guys getting hit, you know, fights breaking out. And really, hockey has a huge female fan base. And then their girls program has drawn more than 1,500 girls in the last eight years. Oh, wow. You don't don't see see numbers like that in other sports sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's, That's tremendous. And a lot of girls are getting D1 scholarships coming out of that program. So uh, a 25% growth rate for anything is remarkable, and that's what the Sharks are seeing with their youth program. So how did the Sharks youth program get started? It's been going for nearly 20 years, and I think it was a labor of love. I think it was something they always wanted to do when they started a youth program period. They were very clear that they wanted girls to be a part of the youth program. So, you know, it was just a matter of finding some coaches. Once or twice a year, they have a day where girls who are interested can just go and try. They don't need to bring any equipment. There's equipment provided for them. The NHL and NHLPA have come together to offer a female ambassador grant program for the clubs, which allows us to fly amazing world-class female hockey players like Annie Pankowski out here to San Jose to be a role model for our young female players. So over the course of two clinics, we had about 80 girls out here doing a bunch of different drills, uh, getting to learn a little bit more about San Jose and their programs that they have here. And it was really cool to see that those girls come out here and they just love hockey. And so I get to share that love with them and, and to give them a little bit of insight about who I am and uh, maybe give them something to dream about. It's important for these girls to have female role models to look up to, to know that they belong here playing hockey and in this sport. And that hockey is for everyone. So to have Annie, a California native and an American-born player, come here is just amazing. I mean, the NHL Ambassador Program is really awesome. I think it's incredible that we can have the opportunity to do things like this and and to get our names and our faces and our stories out there and and grow a fan base. It's something that's so important, especially for women's hockey, as as this is where it starts. And if we can inspire this generation to to dream and to be be like the national team, it's going to set the trajectory way up. Every girl that goes and tries out hockey for the first time winds up saying, oh, you know what? I think I might want to do this. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool. I love that. Anybody can go. Any income level, any skill level, just go try on the gear, skate around, listen to a coach explain the basics, and give it a whirl, which that's worked. And that's how they started it, and that's how it's still going. But, man, you know, they, they've had 60 girls from that program go on to play college hockey, and more than a dozen D1, uh, including a lot of the Ivy Leagues. Wow. Which obviously aren't, you know, that's non-scholarship. 
but still, that's a, that's a pretty nice way to, to maybe get a little extra edge in a college application. Yeah, that's incredible. And it makes me think I wish they had something like this when I was a little girl, because I loved exactly watching hockey growing up. But it always it always struck me as such an expensive sport. And I didn't grow up with that much money. So I was already playing a bunch of other things. And the last thing I wanted to ask my parents to do was to buy me ice skates and buy me a stick and stuff. You were interested in it, too? You know, I grew up in Monterey. In you know, I was a kid in the late 70s, early 80s, so there wasn't really hockey, period, for boys or girls. So I played lacrosse, which is the closest thing there was. I played yeah. on the boys' team because there wasn't a girls' team. I went to a high school that had had been, shortly before I got there, had been all boys, and so there still weren't that many girls. Um, so even our girls' teams were, were um, <laughs> sort of, I, I remember playing on a basketball team that had seven girls, and if, once people started fouling out, we wound up with fewer than five on the court <laughs> numerous times maybe more than I would like to so uh and I love lacrosse so I kept playing in college but you know it's lacrosse on skates essentially yeah. so it's even faster How it totally is, is. and I'm a huge hockey fan anyway it just looks yeah. like a blast every time I watch a hockey game I think man that looks fun yeah me too and it seems like you mentioned the fact that Kendall has joined the broadcasting team at least part-time this season it seems and this could be my Bay Area bias coming in but it seems like the Sharks have always kind of been one step ahead when it comes to things like this yeah, there's no doubt about it. They've emphasized it. And it, that's what it takes. It takes somebody kind of going out and banging the drum a little bit and making sure that people know about it. Case in point, Scott Emmert just mentioning this to me. Hey, come on out and see this Women in Teal kind of night that we've got set up. We've got some good speakers. See what you think. Maybe there's a story there. Yeah, that's definitely, I had no idea that the participation was growing at the rate it is. And other countries are starting to catch up to the U.S., and to Canada. Now when you look at Women's World Cups and other international events in hockey, uh, you see the Scandinavian countries really have improved the women's game and even some of the other European countries. So I, I love that. The ratings are great for women's hockey during the Olympics. It's much like we saw with women's soccer. If the ratings are not great during a World Cup or during the Olympics, it can translate to participation and to success at the pro level. You know, I'm not saying this is going to, they're going to make money like the NHL or another, you know, like one of the men's major sports, but this mm-hmm. is a self-sustaining professional sport. Absolutely. Susan, this is great. Thanks for enlightening us on this topic that I knew nothing about. Uh, fantastic. Thanks, Kate. Anytime. As Susan mentioned at the end of our chat, the growth isn't confined to San Jose or even the United States. The growth of women's hockey is happening everywhere, with more than 200,000 women currently playing around the world, up from 170,000 just 10 years ago. Women's hockey registration is growing 6.5 times faster than men's. And for the upcoming Women's World Cup that runs March 31st through April 10th in Nova Scotia, 39 countries registered to enter their national teams. For Susan's article on the rise of women's hockey in San Jose and across the globe, just click the link in the description notes of today's podcast. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update. We'll dive into the X's and O's of Super Bowl 54 with Niners beat writer David Lombardi. Catch up with our national NFL writer, Lindsey Jones, to hear why the Chiefs are so darn motivated by the journey of their head coach, Andy Reid. And on our next show, the backpack mix-up that went viral at Super Bowl 51 has come full circle 
with then Falcons offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan forgiving longtime Bay Area sports columnist Art Spander for the accidental theft following the Niners NFC Championship win this past Sunday. But with Kyle and Art both headed to Miami in the next few days, we think it's time to revisit the whole story before shifting our sights to South Beach. That's your update for today. Thanks to the Sharks, the NHL Studios podcast, and Susan for the great sound. As always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. And if that's not your thing, hey, that's cool. We so appreciate you simply tuning in. Until next time, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again on Friday.